Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll also be taking your emails, radio at agphd.com, or answering your questions via Twitter, AgPHD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Yeah, a lot to talk about today uh, with everything that's going on with Dicamba. Certainly getting a lot of questions about that from all over the country. And even our friends up north get some feedback from our friend Riley up in Manitoba. And he he, he just didn't understand it at all. And I'll be honest, I don't either. It's, it's kind of crazy that that could happen at the last minute. Certainly a lot of farmers in the process of spraying Dicamba on their farms. And that kind of makes things interesting too. And... The other thing that's been really challenging about this, for me anyway, has been state-to-state differences. And some states are saying one thing, other states are saying others. Some states are putting a stop sale and stop use on. Others are saying they're not not going to enforce things. And it's like, oh my goodness. So yeah, depending on where you're from, your state may have some different guidance for you on what the next step should be. It's it's a little bit challenging, certainly, and we're we're all hoping that the EPA is going to challenge this ruling and and take a look into this case a little bit more to see what they can do. But yeah, when it changes plans at the last minute, the number one question that I'm getting from farmers has been, okay, let's just take that camba off the table, whether it's legal to use or not, depending on what state I'm in. Let's just talk about something else. What else can I do to control weeds and extend soybeans that Roundup isn't going to get? And my easy answer, what else am I going to spray in those fields? I'm like, well, you can still spray Roundup. And everybody just kind of chuckles. And it's like, well, yes, it's still going to kill the grasses. It's still going to kill some of the weeds out there. But it's going to miss things like palmer pigweed and water hemp and some of the other Roundup resistant weeds. So depending on what you've got, I guess we get right back to this um, very selective chemistry that we're going to have to choose. And one thing that we always start out with when we, we look at recommending weed control herbicides is what is your number one weed? If you said, I have to take out this particular weed species or my program's a disaster, we start from there. Let's just say that your number one weed is water hemp. That's great. Don't get lost in all the details of, well, but I also have some of this, and I also have some of this, and I also have some of this. Let's let's just be honest with what we've got. You know what? It's 80% pigweed in my field. If I can take the pigweed out, then everything else is, is a distant second. That gives us a place to start. Uh, so right away this morning already, I've, I've talked to quite a few growers saying, all right, well, this means I'm going to have to put Femesifen or Flexstar back into my program. And if you do that, you've got a few considerations. One is going to be the size of the weeds. Two is going to be the timing for the crop or still before flowering in the north with indeterminate varieties. But we've only got about three weeks left until we start seeing flowers, even for some of these beans that are getting planted late. So you are going to want to make sure you're making those Flexstar applications a little bit early. The other thing that you've got to be concerned about in the north is you've got a 10-month rotational restriction to corn with Flexstar. So if you're going to put it on later on in the month of June, that's fine. Now next year, if you're going to be planting in the later part of April for your corn, you're just right up to that 10-month limit. 
So if you're going to push it into early July, then all of a sudden your corn planting has to wait until early May on that particular field. Now, many growers will say, you know, I haven't really seen a problem with it, but we have. We have seen problems almost every year where there's a rescue treatment that's made late or there's some soybeans that got in super late due to hail or whatever. And all of a sudden, well, hey, they got planted on the 4th of July. They got sprayed <laughs> the last week of July with Flexstar. And all of a sudden, my corn planting that happened in off-label, late April, early May, guess what? I've got some issues out there. And you know what? We are seeing some of those issues with, with that chemistry. We're also seeing it with some of the HBBD chemistry, especially where there were overlaps and late applications made last year. It's been some strange things happening out in fields this year. So please don't take that carryover issue lightly. Get your Flexstar or Fomesafen applications done early so you can stay on label. That's going to help you stay in a safe window for planting next year. But in the meantime, controlling the weeds this year. So Flexstar is going to be one of those first options. Another one that's closely related, it's another PPO chemistry, is Cobra. And we've got a lot of interest in Cobra the last couple of years here. It's really been ramping up again as growers have found that it's helped with sclerotinia white mold suppression. That's been kind of a nice feature. And also the fact that there's a generic version of Cobra out there too that is a little bit cheaper. So whether you're getting Cobra and you're getting in on some of the rebate programs, whether you're buying a generic and just trying to save some money up front and, and not worrying about the rebate thing, I don't really care which way you go. It's good chemistry. It works well on weed control. It's definitely a good helper on pigweed and a number of other species. And if you can get some white mold suppression, awesome. Now, timing on that one. I would prefer to see that one done on the early side as well. And again, here's one of those challenges. Everybody thinks, ah, my late rescue products are Flexstar and Cobra. No, they're designed to be early use products when you've got smaller weeds and they work much better. Especially if you're going to use Cobra at the six ounce rate that you would use for sclerotinia white mold suppression, that's going to be a big deal. So I'd prefer to see those things going out in the next three weeks here too. So you got two to three weeks to get this stuff done, which actually kind of falls into how this season's going. With the warm spell we've had now through much of the upper Midwest, we've seen substantial growth on a lot of these fields that have been in the ground for a while, and they're ready to get sprayed. There's a lot of weeds coming, and it's time to get after them. Now, in terms of broadening up your weed control spectrum, some growers will be adding in first rate. That's pretty good on some of the large seeded broadleaves. Others may go back to chemistry like Pursuit or Raptor to try to get a more broad spectrum approach on some of those other weeds that you could, again, put those products right with a Flexstar application or right with a Cobra application. And then there's other products like Cadet and Resource, which are outstanding on velvet leaf control, and those products could actually get used in corn or soybeans. So lots of discussion on herbicides lately with the ruling on dicamba. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plug nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. 
Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by AMVAC Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus, LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is Farmer Friday, and we're taking your calls and questions throughout the show here in the Morton studio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Wisconsin. We've got Warren on right now with some herbicide questions. Warren, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, Darren. How about yourself? Uh, well, not too bad. We'll see see if you can can grill me here on some herbicides. This this could be a fun discussion. Well, well the, the question I have with this, I saw your show on Tuesday night, you're talking about it on this. And the question I had was, like, this is my first year using it, of course, and should we be, my, this is my plan, I guess it should be. So I was going to run, and I run the three priests, so I got pretty good weed control in the beans right now. I was going to run over with, like, Liberty in a week and a half and then follow up on my last pass at, like, R1 with the Enlist Duo. Should we, you guys have talked about running the Liberty and Enlist together. Um, is the way I was looking at doing it the wrong way about going about it, or... Or should you run together? Yeah. You know, I guess there's a few different ways to look. I think what you're doing is just fine. I think it's going to work, and I don't think you're going to have any problems. But I would do it slightly different. And, and part of the thing that I'm worried about is we don't have any resistance to glufosinate or Liberty yet. And I just like having two modes of action in the tank. And so okay. far, we've only had liberty link soybeans that have worked great. But we're using just straight Liberty over and over again. What rate of Liberty are you thinking of running? Well, I always run at least a quart. I mean, Perfect. that's what I've always run Liberty in the past. I mean, you don't want to run anything less, and you have to have enough AMS in there, too, to get heated up enough to work good. But... Yep, yep, I agree. If you're using three pounds of AMS so, and 32 ounces of Liberty, it should work just fine. Okay, so when you run the Enlist Duel, the label doesn't really show it. Is it safe to run your... Um, I'm just sizing that with it on the later passes. I mean, that's been standing on the label about tank snake partners, so I don't know if you guys, is there an issue with that at all? 
You know, that's a good question. I know that, that the Enlist chemistry is a little bit fussy about which glyphosate you mix with it. There are some growers who've had trouble with Roundup Power Max, for example. Depending on mixing order and how they do things, if they wait and put the Power Max in last after the tank's about full and everything is is mixed together, they've got enough water in there to make things work. But uh, the Enlist Duo, the thing I like about that is they've got a different salt of or I'm sorry, different salt of glyphosate in there so it does mix really well um, i haven't heard of any issues mixing any fungicides in but again i'd always do a jar test the first time i'm doing anything okay and one more quick question i probably just wanted to ask you this one i know no herbicides work great when it's cold out but <laughs> the last uh last two falls last two springs have been extremely cold here that's why it's been nice the last week and a half actually had some heat here finally um what do you find works best for when it's a little bit colder? Is it too for, I did a lot of Dicamba this spring, and it took a long time, but it seemed to get burned down pretty well. I have a lot of trouble with chickweed, no-till is kind of the thing I have a hard time taking out. Do you yep. find one of the herbicides that works a little better when it's colder out than another? your experience you know there's there's a lot of them that don't work very well and that's right. that's a pretty safe place to start yeah liberty's not great gramoxone's not great roundup's not great but honestly the dicamba and the 24ds aren't that great either when it's cold so I, I know growers are making it work in in your state and north dakota and montana some of these areas where it's just always cold in the spring it seems like and and they're getting things to work but yeah, there's nothing that is awesome. But what I have found is a lot of growers in those areas are going to fall treatments where they can. And those have been working really well where they can run a 2,4-D or a dicamba in with something like Valor in front of soybeans. And wow, they're they're really lighting up those weeds and they've got some pretty clean fields in the spring. Yeah, yeah, that's my preference too. Like last fall, I think it was, it was finishing up corn. It was being in November and it was already below zero. <laughs> So we're, yeah, yeah. we're having kind of a hard time getting any spraying done last fall. So okay. no, you're you're right about that, Warren. What what we've been what we've been advising people to do, and I don't think many people have been listening, to be fair, but what we always say is, you know what, you get one of those days where it's 70 degrees, it's not super windy, the sun's out, spray your fall herbicide, stop the combine for a bit, and uh, after 2019, I don't know if anybody wants to stop the combine just yet, but <laughs> but that would work good for the weed control. It definitely would. It makes your spring a lot easier, too, that's for sure. You bet. Well, thanks, right, well, Warren. Thank you very much. Yeah, really appreciate it. All right, let's head down to Kentucky. We've got Jed with us right now. Jed, how are you today? I'm doing good, Darren. How are you? Not too bad. Now, you guys have had some strange weather this year, too, with that late frost and everything else. How are, how are crops looking now? Well, we're finally getting some night weather, and everything's greening up and looking a lot better. Um, kind of hard to track the damage that we had to our wheat crop during that time, and uh we're gearing up to harvest it in the next couple of weeks, so it'll be interesting to find out what the final yields are. Yeah, I, I've been wondering about that too because I, I know we've talked to a number of growers in your area through that frost, and some are saying, well, some areas hit harder than others, and, and certainly uh, some wheat was at a little different stage than other fields, so it's going to be interesting to see just exactly when that frost hit and everything. Um, talk to us about your corn and beans. I, I know you said you're finally getting the heat. Did everybody get their crop in okay? Most of the corn was planted. There may have been a few acres that were swapped to beans, but majority of the corn got in fine. Uh, we just had an extremely wet in May, and uh, by the end of this, or middle of next week, most of the uh, single crop beans should be planted around my area, but we'll bust into wheat cut harvest after that and then have the double crops to plant. 
Sure, sure. Are you guys still doing tobacco on your farm? Yes, we are. We uh, we uh, actually put some tobacco in the ground this week and got a little more of that to, to work with here in the next week or so. A lot of tobacco is going in around here now. Not near as much hemp going in around here as there was last year. No, but, I... Uh, I talked to a hemp back. grower from your state, and he said that didn't turn out so well last year. So they were they were moving to something else. Yes, yes. So, uh, but you know, just everybody's just like you mentioned on the start of the program, trying to dissect uh, which way is the best direction to go with our soybeans, and how we're going to battle uh, the pigweeds in the oncoming season with uh, with what we're dealing with now. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, okay, so you're getting the heat now. Tobacco's going in the ground. W- what do you do for those tobacco fields to kind of set things up for success? Is a pre-emerge herbicide a big part of this? Um, uh, yes, it is. We use a lot of Spartan as a label for tobacco and uh, tobacco and uh, and also um, Prowl as well. And that's just our uh, pre's that we use on. Of course, uh, there are no posts. The post is a hole. Uh, a gooseneck hole is your post. Uh, weed application and tobacco so that's how we manage the uh escapes but uh the spartan and prowl works pretty well together you know and these soybeans that are still going in um are you staying with full maturities at this point is there a, a shift in maturity when you plant a little bit later yes we're, we're probably in the four a lot of my, a lot of guys are around four sixes right now around somewhere around four eights um we got done, a lot of them were done with the early four twos last week or the four twos in that maturity range, and then the majority of the double crop beans will be between a four five and a four eight normally. Okay, yeah, I, I've heard growers in your area talking even down into some of the early threes, and guys just playing around with maturity on the soybeans. Have you done any of that, and have you seen any difference? Um, we've we picked a really good year to try it. In two thousand and twelve, we tried two nines, and uh, of course that was. A little dry year, and uh, we still have some some two nines going in around here, around my area. But the majority of guys are in that upper three five to a four nine variety of uh, maturity range. Sure, sure. Okay, and then uh, back to that wheat crop. You said harvest coming up here in a couple of weeks. Has anybody gotten out in there, or is everybody's wheat kind of in the same boat? Uh, need another couple of weeks. Yeah, most of it. I've heard some guys that went ahead and uh, sprayed the uh, Roundup on it the first of this week. Uh, uh, we have a tropical depression coming up in the middle of next week, so we kind of opted not to do that and let it dry down naturally. And But I think that most of it will be started around the 12th, somewhere in there. Yep, yep. And uh, a little after where we're at. And uh, like I mentioned, I think you'll see from 30 to bush, 30 bushel to 80 bushel. Uh, just a wide variety of range on yield. Yeah, I'm afraid of that too. Well, Judd, it's really nice talking to you. Good luck here, and I know on that wheat crop, sure hope hope that the damage wasn't as bad as what you think in some areas of the fields, and hopefully, hopefully that doesn't take too much off the top end. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. You bet. Thanks. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio today. Our phone lines are open at eight four four forty four Ag PhD. We'd love to hear from you. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back.
When it comes to competitive herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Weedmaster, Patriot, and Diablo for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to hear from you throughout the show. You can call us here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Got Caleb down in Georgia with us now. Hi, hey, Caleb. How you doing? Good, Darren. How are you doing today? Well, not too bad. We're finally getting some of that heat. You guys have been hogging all year here. Glad glad you're finally sharing it. Well, I was going to say that I heard y'all talking about that you're going to be in the 90s, and I was wondering, where do you get that kind of weather? Because we actually haven't had any of it here in South Georgia. 
<laughs> well, I'm not going to feel too bad for you, Caleb. We struggled through May up here that was so cold and it was the cloudiest on record. I I know you guys have caught some sun, at least through the early part of the season. Uh, tell us about your farm. What's happening right now? Well, uh, I'm right now planting some cotton strip tilled by, behind oats and uh, we're trying to get as much done of that as we can today because today is actually our last uh, planting date for full crop insurance on cotton. So we're rolling to see how much we can get of that done. But What do you think of that soil structure in your strip till behind the oats? Are, are you liking it? Is it good planting conditions for you? It's, it's really helped us out sometimes uh, now that we're getting into June we can get through some hot, dry spells. And so having the cover there on top of the ground with the residue from the oats, it helps lower that uh, soil temperature in the top couple inches to regulate that a little bit. Also holding the moisture in there so we can uh, have enough to germinate the cotton up out of the ground good. Excellent. Excellent. What about your other crops? How are they looking right now? Well, our corn is looking really good. Uh, it started tasseling this week, and I was actually going to say that we did what y'all were talking about on a fungicide application for the ear leaf about a V10 time frame. Yep. And it actually worked really well for us because I just heard that our uh, state plant pathologist has confirmed our arch enemy in corn, southern rust, in just down into Florida a little bit in this tropical depression supposed to blow it all up in here from what they're saying. So everybody around is scrambling, trying to get a plane to go spray their fungicide out on their corn. And well, we can sit back a little bit because I know that I've still got a little bit of a residual left over from what we put out at the V10 stage. Yeah, that sure helps. I, I agree with you. I like I like doing that application a little bit on the early side. And, and I do like, especially in your area, because you're going to be a lot harder hit normally with disease than we are where, where we farm, getting another shot on after tassel. But like you say, it's a whole different thing to say, man, I have zero protection out in the field. I'm in big trouble. I bet those guys are scrambling. Yeah, that's what I was like. Well, I'll wait till next week, and then we'll get a plane to go over to put on our fungicide even if it's r1 or something that'll be fine but it it helps us to settle a little easier knowing that we we're still protected absolutely have you got some soybeans in the ground too no soybeans for us this year we're uh this year just corn cotton and peanuts but peanuts are looking pretty good uh we're going to go out with some herbicide on them to clean up the weeds and then with some gypsum put out some calcium for the peanuts as well here soon. Interesting. What When you say uh, you need some calcium, is that to keep it loose on the top, keep that topsoil loose as you've got peanuts trying to root down and, and uh, start producing nuts? Right. So in the, uh, with the, when it comes to peanuts, we want the pegging zone, basically the area of soil in the top about three to four inches where the peanuts send a peg down and form the, a peanut just underneath the surface, we want that area to have at least a three-to-one ratio between calcium and potassium and have at least 500 pounds of calcium per acre out there because if we don't have either of those levels, we'll get hollow pods or what we call pops in there. So we make sure that we have uh, good calcium levels and 
most everybody does that with a gypsum application in season to get that calcium to the right levels. Very interesting. Yeah, the pegging zone. I like that. That's terminology we don't use in uh, in the north when we don't have peanuts. But <laughs> but I know what you mean uh, to get those peanuts to uh, to penetrate that soil so they can get down in there and produce their nuts. That's that's a big big deal. Uh, Caleb, thank you so much. Always learned something talking to you. Glad to hear things are going pretty well. Hopefully that storm coming up is is not a big bad deal for you. Yeah. Well, we need some rain anyway, so that'll help us out. You bet. Well, thanks, Caleb. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Let's head uh, up to a little north of the border, up to Saskatchewan, Alberta, right in that area. We've got Cody on with us now. Cody, how are you? Not too bad. All right. Uh, how are crops doing for you now? Well, mine are all coming out of the ground now. Um, we had a reasonably early start this year, um, so... Yeah, no, all my cereals are pretty much out of the ground. My canola is out of the ground and just enjoying some moisture on them. But, I mean, there's still a lot of producers up this way that have, you know, certain percentages to get completed seeding. Um, yeah, there was a lot of spring threshing going on because a lot of crop was left out over the winter time. So um, that definitely delayed everything. Yeah, no kidding. I know for growers in North Dakota, they've been talking about it a lot as well with just all the crops still out there that they've got to get off in order to plant another crop. It's, that's a challenge. The other thing we're seeing, Cody, and I don't know if you guys are seeing this, we are seeing some early season bug pressure in some of those areas with all the residue that's out there and the residue that's kind of built up over the last couple of years. Are you running into any of that up in your area? Well, you know, I did a a little bit of field bioassay at uh, seeding time, um, aside from the odd, you know, white worm and everything that you do find, um, I, you know, I don't see anything like my, the one, what usually bugs us the most will be like flea beetles and, and cutworms and canola. Um, but yeah, typically I haven't seen anything, but I know there's guys, you know, in other areas of Saskatchewan, you know, further south and, whatnot and i i've heard that guys are out spraying spraying for it but um um as far as my own little area here i haven't seen anything well i'm not trying to jinx you cody don't don't get me wrong here but man last year was a bad flea beetle year in a lot of areas and there's certainly been yeah. a lot of concern that that would be the case this year too yes yeah you got to be vigilant with flea beetles i mean um you know honestly it's I've, I've seen it there probably three years ago, two years ago. We had some, definitely had some issues, but it was on a stressed crop. We had some early, early season hail that come through and knocked her back, you know, and it um, it uh, definitely put the canola back. Well, then the darn flea, be flea beetles come into it. As soon as the stuff gets stressed, that's when you start seeing flea beetle damage. So, Yeah. Yeah, they're opportunistic little guys, no doubt about that. Now, you mentioned yeah. that your cereals are emerging. How did you end up uh, uh, spreading out your risk? Did you plant more barley, more wheat, more oats? What What's going in this spring for you? Um, well, we did probably a little more oats this year and definitely more barley. I switched up to a new uh, feed barley variety, so I bought some certified seed and 
put in some stuff on some fairly clean ground to have for seed next year. And honestly, I actually probably cut my weed acres back by 60%. Okay. <laughs> More yeah. canola. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of acre shift, no doubt about it, uh, this year yeah. in different areas. And then there's some guys that are saying, I'm just going to stay with my normal rotation and take my chances. But with with everything going on, if if a guy could find a way to lock in a little more profit, that's that's surely a good deal. Uh, well, Cody, yeah. great talking to you today. Glad Thank to hear you. everything's popping up out of the ground, and and hopefully uh, good weather's coming your way. Sure. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. I got quite a wide variety of topics coming in on email today and, and would love to hear how things are going on your farm or help you out if we possibly can. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup ready-to-extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy all the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Corn and soybean growers are in a race against time when it comes to hard-to-kill weeds. Interline Herbicide from UPL works fast to eliminate some of the most challenging glyphosate-resistant weeds, including pigweed, waterhemp, mare's tail, and ragweed. Interline can be used as a burn-down treatment or as an over-the-top treatment in glufosinate-tolerant crops, including Liberty Link varieties. Ask your retailer or UPL sales representative about Interline, and always read and follow label directions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback. 
an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday, and we're taking your calls here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Southeast Minnesota. We've got John on with us right now. John, how are you doing? Uh, good. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. You bet. What can I do got, for you? I've got a question. Uh, the end of the story is I've got a bunch of patches of yellow corn. And the beginning is we planted like the third week of April. Excellent planting conditions. Corn came up fine. And then we got four and a half inches of rain. And about three days later, we got another two and a half inches. And the corn still looked pretty good. And now it's probably up you know, eight, ten inches, and now it's starting to get yellow, and i got a lot of yellow spots. So I've got, and I went out last night and dug up a bunch of roots, and the roots are going down okay, but I do have a hard pan because we field cultivated it twice because of poor conditions last fall. So I do have a, you know, a field cultivator hard pan, yep. which it seems to be breaking through, but I go down three inches, and it's just plain mud. Yeah. I mean, it's, super wet and I can actually tell a pattern tiled on 30 foot centers last spring on the particular field I'm talking about and right over where I put the tile lines the corn looks pretty green and in between I mean you can just look down where the tile lines are. My question is on these yellow spots I know the corn isn't getting air if I went in between the rows with like a subsoiler tooth and only went down like a foot just to break that up and get some air in there does that work, or am I better off going fishing for a week? <laughs> you know what? I think I'd try the tillage. And at 8 to 10 inch tall corn, how far across that root zone, or how, how far across the row have you got roots? Do they do they touch from one plant to another across the row, or no. not quite yet? No, not even close. And there's not, I was surprised, it seems, you know, right after we got all that rain, then we got 88, 90 degree temperatures. Yes. So I think the plant is growing faster than we have roots for it. Yep. Yep. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I would try it if it was me. Uh, Brian's not here today. I, I, he would probably take the other side. He'd say, "Nope, I'd go fishing." And fishing sounds like a lot more fun than <laughs> doing cultivating, but. I think I'd do the tillage. A lot of times when we've got that hard pan like that, if we can break it up now, when you've got corn that's big enough that we shouldn't be throwing dirt over the top of it or anything, and I, I certainly wouldn't want to do that, but if you can go through there without chopping off roots and hopefully loosen up that soil a little bit, I I think that's what I would do. Okay. I mean, I remember 40 years ago when I was a kid, I guess it's longer than that now, cultivating corn. When I was at home, it seemed like after you cultivated the corn, it seemed like that corn had took off a little more, but maybe my memory is failing. No, you're right. It greens up and grows a foot is usually what would happen. And uh, I know that that, uh, that was always something we thought, too, growing up, that, that that really made a difference. We just wanted to get out early enough that we didn't have the root system going all the way across that row. So we didn't want to prune roots off, but... 
Yeah, I think I think with that hard packing rain that you guys have had, and and like you say, even though our conditions were really good, a lot of farmers we're talking to say the top two to three inches were really good to work with, but if you dug down deep, there was still some mess from 2019 there, and I, I I'm afraid you might be running into some of that. And you know, with your 30 foot tile space, and when you said that, I I just got a big smile on my face because we've got a lot of growers out there that talk about heavy soil, light soil. If you're pattern tiling at 30 feet and you still have stress in between those tile lines, you've got some heavier dirt. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, pre- I prefer drought years over wet years any day. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of growers in your area, and we're talking to, to John in southeast Minnesota, if you're just tuning in. And when you look at that part of the state of Minnesota, you're right. A lot of guys would prefer those drier years because they've got moisture that's that's held in that soil and quite a bit of it that you can access throughout those years. So on like 2019, you mentioned that, you know, we had hauled manure on there last fall. I remember my wife was out in the field. I was watching the weather and I called her in and quick cleaned up the subsoil there. But when it started snowing and that was it for the year. So we didn't get it all done. How many years does it take? I mean, we had pretty deep frost, but it didn't seem like, how many years are we going to have to suffer with the compaction from last year? Well, years that's a great question, and I don't know the answer to that because um, it really varies. And I I always go back to this, and there's actually somebody that works for uh, the Extension Service in Minnesota as well that had showed this. I'm trying to think who it was. Somebody in, in southwest Minnesota, they had a great presentation probably 10 years ago, and they, they had found an area where the wagon trains had, had wagon trails were from the the settlers, you know, hundreds of years, hundreds, hundreds of years ago. And yep. they could still find those tracks. And I, I know a farmer in southeast South Dakota that he had a pasture that that he told me, just come out to my farm. You need to be out here at sunrise, and you can really see this. We could still see the trail where all the wagons had run. And he said, you know, here we are more than 100 years after that, and it still hasn't broken up those compaction layers. So... I don't know if we can count on the frost, even in Minnesota, where it gets pretty cold, for it to completely break things up. I think I'd, I think I'd deal with it with tillage. Now, some guys would say, "Nope, you need to have a cover crop out there." John, how much time did you have last fall to get that cover crop in? We didn't. We were lucky to get manure. We were hauling manure as it was freezing up. We actually had to stop because the frost set in. Yeah, it's it's a challenge, and I know there there'll be callers that'll say, "Hey, if you go to no-till and you go to cover crops, you can turn this thing over time." And you know what? There there are some good things there. There's no doubt about it. But like John was saying, this is a problem that's been there for a few years, and it's just been wet. It's just been tough to get out there in some of this heavy ground. Yeah, maybe I'll have an auction. I'm not going to wait for a hundred years. <laughs> no, don't wait for a hundred years. No, get after it. I think right. I think the cultivation would be pretty cool. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Appreciate you taking the call. You bet. You bet. Let's head over to Illinois. We've got Jeff on with us right now. Jeff, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Doing the, one of the worst jobs ever, replanting corn. So uh, patching in a few spots here and there and about got all the bad ones out of the way, it looks like. So. Okay. You guys have that. had just tons of moisture. Uh, how long has that been uh, going on? Has it been several years in a row? Uh, 19 we thought was bad. 20s just keeps going on continuation we're about in the 18 month of uh 2019 right now i've heard wow. that thrown around before so it's been ex- challenging uh the crop i i mean overall i waited i was patient and 
planted my crop. It, it looks really good. I didn't go really early, and I waited, and that that's going to help out. It's just small for the calendar. We're a yeah. month off. Yeah. But uh, it, the, the biggest thing right now today is the dicamba uh, ruling on soybeans, not being able to spray that. Everybody's as just confused on what to do and why it happened at this point in the season. And, you know, there were probably 80% dicamba soybeans in this area. So to think that you can't use, and we got enough resistant weeds where oh, yeah. everybody's in panic control right now, which. Yeah. Growers wouldn't be planting the trait if they weren't expecting yeah. to use the dicamba and needing to use it really for, for Palmer and yeah. other things. Exactly. So it's a, it's a extremely tense, tough thing one after another here with COVID messing up the markets, and then now we got this going on. So yeah, it's it's just a shame too, Jeff. As I I listen to you talking about replanting the corn too, I know the work that you've done trying to build that soil up over a long time. There, there are very few who have done it any better than you've done it, and and here you are, even with all that work, even setting the table right. Uh, it's it's pretty hard to overcome some of those things sometimes. Yeah, that and more tile. I mean, we just need more tile and more tile. And I got 40-foot center tile field. It's one of the best-looking one around. But then you got, you know, you can't can't do them all at that expense. So then you think, well, we'll just do more 80s. But you can't get it done timely. Everybody else wants it to. So tile will be a huge demand. So grain storage is always popular so yeah there's uh, always there's always things going on uh, like you say even though the economy is tough right now if you're a tile installer i know in our area as well they are in high demand coming out of 2019 they've got quite a book of business going uh talking to jeff over in illinois who unfortunately is doing one of the jobs that farmers never want to do replanting corn absolutely no fun and definitely not a money maker uh, Jeff, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck here. Hopefully this weather turns around for you and this, this crop turns out better than you think. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
How much money are you leaving in the bin? If you want the most profit from your stored grain, you need the Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG. This low-cost bin monitoring solution tracks temperature and humidity and gets your grain in ideal condition. And with deep preseason discounts on all Grain Temp Guard units, now is the best time to upgrade. Don't leave your money out in the bin. Get the most from your grain. Order today at farmshopmfg.com. Corn and soybean growers are in a race against time when it comes to hard-to-kill weeds. Interline Herbicide from UPL works fast to eliminate some of the most challenging glyphosate-resistant weeds, including pigweed, waterhemp, mare's tail, and ragweed. Interline can be used as a burn-down treatment or as an over-the-top treatment in glufosinate-tolerant crops, including Liberty Link varieties. Ask your retailer or UPL sales representative about Interline, and always read and follow label directions. Hey Adam, new drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree! In the power lines! Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday on our show today, and we would love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And I was just talking to Jeff over in Illinois. He's doing his least favorite job, replanting corn. And <laughs> I looked at my Twitter feed, and up pops uh, an ad for Pepto-Bismol. It said nausea, heartburn, indigestion, <laughs> upset stomach. Uh, yeah, I, I'm getting that too when I think about some of the situations that growers are in this year. Man, there's been been some tough weather in spots. Uh, let's get back to the phone lines here. We've got Mark on with us right now. Mark, where are you farming today? Uh, Mississippi today. So how are crops down in Mississippi and what crops are you raising down there? We didn't get any corn planted, so we're 100% soybeans. And right now, we've got the best start we've had in several years. Wow, that's good news. Yeah, we uh, we have avoided any big rain so far this spring. And I probably, on 6,000 acres, I probably don't have 20 acres of drowned out through the whole thing. So wow. we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. How about back up in Kansas? What stuff look like up there? The corn looks pretty good. Uh, I talked to my dad yesterday, and he has 280 uh, out of uh, 2,500 acres of beans planted. But he is going finally. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's been been interesting. That's for sure. All right. Well, what are you yeah, spraying? Ever, what are you spraying down in Mississippi now? Are you out with doing weed control? Yeah, we're trying to euthanize some pigweeds today uh, with a little dicamba and warrants, and uh, seems to be working so far. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this whole dicamba thing today about uh, what's happening with this EPA really. And every state has been a little bit different for the most part. Uh, it's been, <laughs> been just confusing overall. So, yeah, hopefully the pigweeds are all gone and you, you can worry about something else. Yeah, according to my according to my retailers, they just they can't sell it. Five o'clock yesterday evening was the last they could sell it. So if you don't have it on your place, I guess you're out. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, and there is one of the dicambas still labeled. Now, I'm not sure how each state is handling this, but but uh, the lawsuit just had three of the new dicambas, Ingenia, Fexapan, and Extendamax on it. It did not include Tavium, which is dicamba plus metallochlor. So I know for, for some guys that, that we've talked to, they said, well, our retailers are still selling Tavium, and our state says there hasn't been any ruling on Tavium, so it's full go with that product. So uh, if a guy had more stuff to do, that may be an option too. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. I did not know that. Yep. Well, and you look at a lot of a lot of people are putting a group fifteen in there for some residual too, and uh, I mean it's still early. There's still a long time we got to control weeds, so that that's not a bad option as well. Yeah, yeah, we're in really we're in really good shape on our weeds here. It seemed like about every three or four days we'd we'd spray and get caught up with the planter, and we'd get two tenths to a half inch, and you know keep you out of the field for a day. But it really worked good to set residuals. We've had the best weed control we've had here in several years. Outstanding. Yeah, that is that is a ag chemical retailer's dream. When you're catching a little bit of rain each week, so everything they're getting applied out there is going to actually work. Uh, that's that's yeah. good news. It, it, it's unbelievable the difference it makes. We was, uh, I was planting and the spray man was spraying, and he lacked about four passes of being caught up with me, and we got sprinkled out. And you could tell right to the line where he come back after that rain because there was like no weeds and then solid weeds on the on the other side of that when when everything come up. Wow, wow, yeah, that's pretty cool. That makes you a believer in in what you're doing, no doubt about it. Uh, we're talking to Mark; yeah, he's down think, in Mississippi you, spraying some pigweeds out today. If you think your pre-emerge isn't working, just go find a sprayer skip. Yeah, yeah, you always find those. They, they they may be small, and it may be a corner, it may be you know a, a terrace or something like that. But but you're right. If you find that spot that you missed the herbicide, more times than not, it it shows up and not in a good way. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Really appreciate you calling in. I know you get. I know you're super busy. Glad to hear things are going well for you though. And and good luck here the rest of the season. Hey, you guys too. Thank you, sir. Thanks. I've uh, got a number of questions that came in here for the Ag PhD mailbag. Let's dive into those. It's the mailbag. All right. First one comes from Chris, North Central Iowa. He said, I just planted a new lawn and the weeds are, are coming up along with the grass. I've got some pig weeds and some velvet leaf out there. Now on a newly planted lawn, how soon can you apply some herbicide? What do you think about 2,4-D or, or other choices there? Um, thanks for the question, Chris. We appreciate that. I, I know you're concerned about hurting that new grass. And usually what we do is just keep mowing things off for a little while until that grass gets established a little bit better. And if you're in a good spot where it has plenty of moisture and so forth and it's healthy, that's a time where you can start start picking off some of those weeds. You know, personally, I, I like to just use some 2,4-D. I would love it if the, the new Freelex was still available out on the market. That's the new 2,4-D choline because it doesn't have the volatility that the amines or the esters have. Um, when I look at some of the, the tank or premixes like Trimec products, they work great. Uh, some of those have got some dicamba in there, which personally I'm not a fan of applying in the lawn, but I know a lot of people like it because it does a great job killing the weeds. With your particular weed species, the pigweed and the velvet leaf, you should do a pretty good job with the 240. So yeah, I'd let that lawn get, get good and established, and then I would hit it. And make sure you're keeping the water up to that lawn so it fills in as fast as possible. Hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate the question. 
I've got another one here. This one comes from Justin. He said, what would you say is a good population for planting silage corn? Most guys in our area are going below their average grain corn populations, but I also see some guys on the internet that are planting a little more population in the silage area. An average in our, our geography is 32,000 for a population. Wondering what you think about if I went up to 34 and any watchouts on, on going high. I'm in East Central North Dakota. Hey, thanks, Justin. Appreciate the question. Brian and I had a little bit of this discussion, too, this year because we're doing quite a bit of silage corn this year, and we haven't done a lot of that in the past. We've got a, a neighbor that has a dairy, and they're expanding. They need a little bit more silage than than what they've needed in the past, so so they're asking us to help a little bit. I think the lower population is good. Uh, talking with Stephen Albrecht, who passed away a few years ago, he's down in the state of Texas, one of the best farmers I've ever met. And when he raised silage, and he raised a lot of it, he said 28,000 was a good population for him. And this is the guy that was raising 400 plus bushel corn. So I would tend to lean towards that lower pot. But the best thing about this is that you're a farmer and you can try some different rates on your own farm. So if it was me, I, I would probably run some a little bit lower, maybe run some at 28. Then you do some at your 32. That's normal. And if you want to try a little bit of that 34, make sure you have plenty of fertility out there. That's what's going to catch you. Most notably, I would say would be potassium. So make sure your potassium is good. I would look for a base saturation potassium, at least 4% if I was going to start running higher populations. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that, Justin. Good one for Brandon here. He said, I am a young farmer and I'm in South Central Minnesota. And I have heard you talk about on rented ground, you may not handle it the same way as as your owned ground where you're broadcasting a lot of fertilizer, building things up. What would you recommend that we do uh, on this rented ground? I don't have the equipment to do the strip till and banding and stuff like you guys are doing. Hey, I, I totally get it, Brandon. It's It costs a lot of money to get set up like that too. So if you say, hey, my best option is broadcasting, that's fine. You'd probably do crop removal rates uh, or you'd want to get a longer term deal on renting some of that ground so you have more years to extract some of that fertilizer out. That's how I would approach it. And yeah, you said you're doing some fertilizer and furrow. I think you said three gallons of 918.9. That's probably a max of what I would do in furrow. And yeah, I'd probably be broadcasting the rest at a crop removal rate. And I'd probably be doing the P and K where you farm on heavy ground in the fall. Uh, thanks, Brandon. Appreciate that. Going from Nathaniel, he said, we've been putting some gypsum on in our livestock pens every day. It's making a big difference for us with the smell. Hey, thanks, Nathaniel. Really appreciate that. And uh, glad to share that with our listeners, too. That's, hey, if you can keep the smell of manure down, that's that's a good thing. Uh, got one from uh, IWF who says, heard you guys talking about fulvic compounds. I found some in my area. I've been trying them both foliar and in furrow. Really appreciate that you guys have also been speaking about fulvics. That gives me some more confidence. My experience so far has been I haven't had plugging or sludge in most of the tank mixes that I've tested and my foliar stuff's ongoing. Hope to see some good yield results down the way. Hey, thank you so much. We really appreciate that feedback. Glad glad we uh, have given you some encouragement there along the way. And, and kudos to you for trying some new things on your farm and, and taking a chance. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.